Wildcats to a game day edition of Weber State Weekly. I'd say also a homecoming edition of Weber State Weekly, a special edition. I'm your host, Colby Peterson, and uh, we're welcomed by Big Sky podcast members and uh, colleagues, I'd say, fellas. Uh, Thorny and Foley from the R&R CatCast. These guys are the Montana State guys in the Big Sky Conference podcast network. Guys, thanks for taking some time to chat with us, both of you. Glad to be here, Colby. Glad to be here, buddy. Yeah, Foley. Yeah, Foley and Thorny. Thanks so much. Like I said, really excited. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about this game because uh, across the sky, I'd say this is probably one of the bigger games this week. Uh, this one's going to be on ESPNU, and so it's a big one. And for the Wildcats, for us down in Ogden, uh, this is a, a big game for us because should the Wildcats not play well, um, they're, they're going to be losing that ranking. You know, sort of hanging on right now at 19 because of a strength of schedule, but two critical losses to James Madison and UC Davis have really put the Wildcats in a bind if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive. But the Bobcats coming to town and they do not suck. You guys are a semifinal team as the Wildcats were in 2019 and uh, did not play in the spring, uh, had a coaching change and uh, came out guns a blazing in the season. Now in the fall, playing really well against Wyoming. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about your squad, guys, because that's, uh, that's why we got you here. First thing I wanted to talk about was that Wyoming game coming out. Weren't exactly sure how to, how to expect the Bobcats. Was it going to be rust or were they going to be ready to play because they'd be fresh, no injuries, not playing in the spring. And they really did well. So talk to us a little bit about, about your feelings after seeing the Bobcats performance in Laramie at the beginning of the season. Foley, you want to, you want to start with that one? Yeah. Well, I know for me, when they started playing, I was just so amped. We hadn't played but we didn't play in the spring season. So, uh, man, I was so juiced. I was so juiced. I was, uh, had nothing to go off of. I thought vegan, like, I just like, I, you're getting me excited right now. So I'm a little <laughs> bit stumbling on it, but, um, yeah, I mean, I thought the Bobcats played really well. Yeah. The cats, uh, they scored first. We picked off their quarterback early in the game. So we scored our early seven points. So that kind of relieved some tension. And then I thought the cats, were just as physical as the Cowboys were through that whole game. And I was really impressed. Um, we went toe for toe with them. We had a, a punt return for Willie Patterson that was negated from, we like to call like a phantom block in the oh, back. We feel that pain. Rashid Shahid has gotten so many of those over his career. We feel your pain, man. <laughs> Still, I mean, we were, I, I believe... Ryan, did we lose that game 19-16? Was that right, Thorny? Yeah, 19-16. to 16. Yeah, so <sighs> we were there. We were there. Yeah. We scored late in the fourth, and I texted Thorny. I was like, I think we scored just a little too soon. And it, it was. It was just a little too soon. And um, I think we had two minutes left on the clock, and they marched down and capitalized on a score. And uh, we weren't able to uh, complete the comeback. So, But nonetheless, you know, pretty proud, proud of the Cats. We showed well. I thought that was going to bode well for us from the season to now, and it has. And um, yeah, so I was pretty happy with that Wyoming performance. Yeah, Thorny, what about you, man? I mean, like like you said, um, really good performance against the Pokes in Laramie. Really going toe to toe with them, and uh, some opportunities that maybe were missed. But overall, a good first showing after not playing in the spring after have it been so long. Um, give me your thoughts on how that one ended up and then uh, maybe talk to me a little bit about how the ensuing games um, in the schedule played out for the Bobcats, because they've really taken care of business against the teams that they should have. 
I think the Wyoming game answered right away a lot of questions was because the Bobcats had a lot of questions heading into into the season. We had a Certainly. brand new head coach, yeah. a, a brand new offensive coordinator, and a brand new defensive coordinator. All three of them first time head coach, first time OC, first time DC. So that alone is like you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, the secondary lost three very very good safeties. We were, we weren't sure how that was going to look, and the defensive line took a hit as well. And I think all that was just answered right away. I think they actually the cats won both sides of the of the trenches. I wouldn't say convincingly, but the fact that we I think we won the the battle in the trenches against a Mountain West team that is I think they're currently four and one. They may have lost a game, but they're you know they're a pretty good Mountain uh, Mountain West team. I think the fact that we were able to control the line of the scrimmage and be as physical as we did and and honestly move the ball and I think we outgained them. I think we outplayed them in pretty much every way. We just gave up a late touchdown with forty seven seconds left, like fully said. So I think it really gave me a lot of optimism in a loss, which just with all of the, the turnover and everything coming in the season, all the question marks, I think you had to feel good as a cat fan coming out of that game, even though we lost like, all right, there's not going to be a big drop off from Brent Vegan's first year to from Jeff Choate's final year that it looks like we're going to be a good team again. And, and so far that has transpired since then. And uh, you asked me about the rest of the schedule. We like to joke, um, they're all the same game at this point to us. <laughs> it's really hard to differentiate because every single game is like 50 to 10. Like it's Yeah, I'd say like 48-14 is yeah. kind of seems like the common score coming out of Bozeman. They're all the the only one that was any different to that to that was the away game at Portland State, which which was yeah. the other good test that the Bobcats have faced. Uh, I actually had to come back in that game a couple scores in the fourth quarter to seal it and win by uh, win by 13 in that game against a you know, pretty a pretty decent Portland State squad. So other than that, I mean, the Bobcats have just been on cruise control, um, working on pieces of the game, getting guys tons of rest. We'll talk about the defense and the starters, but I mean, you're, if you're going to look at Troy Anderson, he's played probably sixty percent of the snaps. Yeah, it's just how how dominant the Cats have been. They've been pulling everyone out in the third quarter or fourth quarter at the latest. It's it's been routes. We've gotten lots of guys rested, and really. I don't know if we've learned anything more after the Wyoming game than we have in the, in the subsequent next five games, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I think a, a good opportunity for the Bobcats because it, you know, they're playing, if they were going to pull a player like Troy Anderson, who uh, I think is an all American, isn't he? Yeah. Preseason all American. Yeah. You know, an all American, you know, it's like, Hey, we can pull him for the fourth and give the seconds and the third an opportunity to play and really get it. I think that that bodes well for depth going forward for the Bobcats in the future. So good opportunities all around, plus an opportunity to save legs for what looks to be probably a, at least a deep, at least a quarterfinals or, or deeper playoff run for the Bobcats as things go on here. So, yeah, I mean, things look, things look really good in Bozeman. And uh, like you noted, just really taking care of business against the teams that you should so uh, even even against um, from what I'm hearing a top five Portland State team, <laughs> uh, that, that joke was for that joke. joke was for the yeah, Potfather and Brian Tubbs guys. That was for you. <laughs> but no, uh, definitely a good win against against Portland State. Uh, but now an opportunity to come to Ogden. Um, and so, guys, I want to talk a little bit. Let's dig a little bit deeper into your roster here because there are quite a number of things that stand out with with the Bobcats this season. And so, we wanted to give Wildcat fans an an idea of what to expect on Friday night. Uh, because this game will be on ESPNU. Um, it's the homecoming game, so attendance may be a little bit boosted, uh, maybe closer to what we saw against JMU, as opposed to what we saw against UC Davis, where there was a dip. But let's start with defense. Right now, the Bobcats lead the conference. They are number 
one in passing defense and number two in rush defense. And that's the thing I think that has that catches my eye the most about this matchup is the fact that Montana state, they do a great job of keeping the ball in front of them. They don't, they don't let guys break off for big runs. And so, you know, they've only, they've had the opportunity to really stop the run in a, in a big way. And so talk to us a little bit about that. Um, I'll start with you, Thorny. I mean, what is the secret to this run success and why they've able to been able to keep running backs down and uh, keep the game in hand? You know, a lot of it has been the play of our nickelback, Ty Okada, who is just a missile from his, uh, we call it the big nickel spot because the Bobcats were in kind of a four, two, five thing. And he is the big nickel guy. He's like 5'10", 200. He's pretty good sized. He can mm. fly around. He can cover. He's excellent open field tacklers. There's been multiple times this year where a running back has bounced out of the pocket and Ty Okada just flies up and just tackles him right at the line of scrimmage. He's, he, I think he's a big reason why the Bobcats have had such good success. Another reason is um, Chase Benson, our def- defensive tackle, is not going to probably get any accolades. But yeah. I think he's one of the best defensive tackles in the league. He just demands a double team. He is very strong and he's, he's uh, I'm not sure what his stats are this year, but he's one of the best in the league and he really makes that defensive line go. And then the, I mean, you got Trey Anderson just getting better and better every game at his inside linebacker spots, which a lot of people aren't sure if that suits his physical attributes, but you know, he's been dominating more and more as the season's gone on. Maybe it's not his best position, but he's still, he's by far the best inside linebacker on the team. And then uh, the emergence of Daniel Hardy, who is super raw athletic guy. I don't think, I think he maybe he picked up football in like senior year high school or something like that. Oh, wow. One of those guys you get in the FCS where you can see the upside on him, but he's just, you're going to have to you know work with them and train him. And he's finally a senior. He's getting a shot. He's bulked up in the off season to move over to that defensive end spot. Cause they had him kind of a stand up outside linebacker standing up defensive end hybrid. Now he's got his hand in the dirt and he's just absolutely dominating. And I mean, there's just been some guys stepping up and I think that's really where the, where it all starts for the Bobcats is just actually just the talent level and Freddie Banks, first time defensive coordinator, drawn up some good schemes. Yeah. So fully, I, you know, what Thorny just said there about, about the defensive tackle and the need to double, I think creates opportunities. It sounds like for Daniel Hardy, who is already a very talented athlete right now. Uh, let me pull up the stats really quickly, but uh, he's number four in the conference. Uh, he's got four solo, uh, sacks he's got two assisted sacks 33 yards lost in those in those plays my, my goodness i mean just a guy who gets to the quarterback i mean talk to me a little bit, a little bit about his emergence i mean did you guys think that he was going to be a guy going into this season or has it been a complete surprise we really started to see daniel hardy flash in 2019 because troy anderson was hurt troy was playing the buck position on the outside in Daniel Hardy was his backup. So Troy got dinged up in the the latter stages and was pulled prior to the Montana game. I think he got hurt in the UC Davis game the week before. So Daniel was thrust into that position and you could just see he had a different explosion, different twitch. That's kind of maybe not the the way I'd want to say it because Troy Anderson is an elite athlete. Mm, but definitely when you see Daniel explode off the line or rush the quarterback, he has just elite athleticism and speed. And so I was really excited to see, uh, well, going in 2020, but then it was like, oh man, all that was dashed because of COVID. So I was like, okay. So, and then you start to see these pictures of, of Daniel and the way he's transformed his body. Cause he was kind of a slight guy, 
but I mean, he had the frame for it. And now when you look at him, <laughs> he is absolutely just yoked his arms, his, his shoulders. And uh, now, like Thorny said, he puts his finger in the dirt. Yeah. He's probably the most explosive guy off the ball for us. And he's creating a lot of havoc in the backfield. I know he is third in the big sky for tackles for a loss right now. And so he doesn't have his, I mean, the sacks are okay. They're not great. They're not I like mean, uh, Patrick O'Connell great for Montana, but uh, I think that's part of the scheme we're playing as well. Yeah. Cause like you noted, I mean, Patrick O'Connell, just an absolute monster for Montana leading the conference five solo uh, um, sacks, three assisted loss of 54 yards. I mean, like you said, just a monster, but Daniel Hardy, obviously a presence uh, because he's right there, you know, nipping at his heels um, with one extra game, but my goodness, um, definitely somebody to, to watch for if you're a Wildcat fan on Friday night, because you might be hearing his name an awful lot, especially if there are quarterback issues, the quarterback is not able to be mobile. We've seen that Bronson Barron has had some leg injury or so those kinds of issues in the past. And so if the quarterback isn't able to be mobile and he wants to be a statue tonight or on Friday night might be a long night for the quarterbacks for the Wildcats, depending on we think Bronson Barron is going to start, but should it be someone else could be difficult times. Um, I want to flip the script now, guys. And I want to talk a little bit about the offense though, because the offense has been very good for the cats. We noted, you know, sort of earlier that a lot of these games outside of the Wyoming game, running up the score pretty early and able to put other guys in the bench in earlier and get them some experience scores of 48, 14, 50, 10, those kinds of things. So I think the key here from what I can read from the stat sheet and from what little I've seen from the Bobcats is the fact that the run game is absolutely cooking in Bozeman. And part of that, I guess, I'm not going to say part, I think a big reason why is because of Isaiah Fonse. So talk to me a little bit about this guy, Thorny. I mean, a guy who right now leads the big sky in rushing uh, in terms of yardage, and he's far and away, he's above Xavier Harris in second place for the Montana Grizz. He's right now, Ifonse has got 661 yards mm. on the ground, um, averaging 110 a game, just absolute monster. Talk to me a little bit about this guy. I mean, and once again, a guy that did you all expect this from him, or is this a surprise performance that is just new schemes from the OC, just giving this man an opportunity? The only surprise about Isaiah Afonso is the new scheme, getting him like 20, 25 carries a game. Cause that's just not something that the Bobcats did. Um, the Bobcats rushed the ball probably 65, 70% of the time under Jeff Choate, but it was spread over multiple running backs. Mm. Uh, Brent Vegan and Taylor Houseride offense corner seem, seem to be much more of a, we got one guy and he's going to get the bulk of the carries. And I mean, that could, that is certainly maybe his elevated production, but there, it's absolutely no surprise to any Bobcat fan, what he's doing on the field. He is a, he's extremely hard to bring down. He runs bow legged, which is uh, very difficult to tackle. He has probably one of the, the best, like just sense of balance and like there's guys on his back and you just can't get them down. It's, it's pretty uncanny to watch. I, the only real yeah. comp I can give Isaiah Fonze would be like a Marshawn Lynch type guy. Again, not nearly as bulky or as wide as Lynch, but that's just kind of his running style. And I think Lynch was also a little bow legged. So I think they kind of run pretty similar. I think, I think a lot of the running success for the Bobcats is purely on the shoulders of Isaiah Fonze. I don't think our offensive line is as good as it has been in the past. They've been playing pretty good. We're starting two freshmen. So there's been, a, I think, a little bit of step back there. And I think a lot of the success for Isaiah Fonze has been basically him breaking tackles. I think uh, he, I read a stat one time that he's like leading the the country in 
tackles or yardage after first contact, which mm. we don't track that stuff. That's like a pay website. Then they give you like a tease of their stuff. I don't know. That's not easy <laughs> to find for FCS type stuff, but it doesn't surprise me one bit. So absolutely not surprised to, to any Bobcat fan, what he's doing here uh, this year. He's going to have pretty much every single rushing record by the time he's done. He's only a junior. Yeah. My goodness. Like you said, just, just absolute monster out of the backfield. And do you guys feel that there's a comp for Ifanse anywhere in the conference? Is there somebody that plays like him? Is there somebody else in the conference that's explosive? I'm just trying to find something for Wildcat fans to kind of say, he's like this guy, because I, it's been a couple of years since the, since Wildcat fans have seen the Bobcats. And so they may not have, quite an, an, a vision in their minds quite yet of how explosive this man can be. And so do you feel that there's anybody in the conference quite like him? The only guy that kind of comes to mind was a couple of years ago, Cal Poly had the running back, like jury Trey Sampson or whatever his name was. I don't, you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. His is a very interesting name, but he was very, very tough and physical. Other than that, I can't, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of big sky football this year. So, I mean, there's just, I can't, I can't think of a single comp for Isaiah Fonze. He does not have the top end speed like a like Elijah Dotson, but he has the toughness of who's mm, a really like uh, who's that running back from Eastern um, Tameric Pierce. You know, Tameric Pierce is a big, thick running back. I don't even know if he's playing anymore. He might have been a senior last last year, but yeah, he's just kind of his own guy, and mm-hmm. he uh, he has a knack for just falling forward. Uh, he the classic Afonso run to me, Colby is three guys hit him in the hole and they can't take him down. They're all, they're all swarming him, but he just brushes them off and just powers through it and then gets two or three more yards and then gets tackled by a gang of people. So he'll get that three, four yard uh, run um, where there was nothing there. And so that's such a valuable tool. And uh, like Ryan said, I don't feel like our running game has been as good as it was in 2019. I don't think our line is as strong. We haven't seen those kind of chunk plays like we used to. We used to bust off these 15, 20 yard plays quite often. We haven't really seen that as much this year. It's been more of a grind. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I mean, it's a, a kudos to uh, Afonso, right? I mean, still leading the, the big sky in rushing, but hasn't been pretty. It's been a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, and not, not just leading, but far and away leading by over 200 yeah. yards, you know, and so not, not nothing for sure. Uh, guys, a couple more questions here before we, before we wrap this up. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the offense um, outside of Ifonse because Mamakay has really, he's really done a good job for you all. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me looking through the stats, preparing for my opportunity to come on your show last night was the fact that he's only thrown one pick this game or this season has done a really good job of making smart decisions, throwing the ball away when it's not there and just making sure that it doesn't fall into the hands of the defense. Talk to me a little bit about that thorny. I mean, do you feel like that is uh, just maturity on his part? Is it, is it scheme? Is it coaching? What has been the secret to Matt McKay's success in taking care of the football? Well, it's kind of funny. The only interception he threw was against Portland State, and that's because Lance McCutcheon thought it was like a hitch route, and McKay threw a deep route and just threw it to a wide-open uh, Portland State guy. That's no, the only reason that he had an interception in the game is because there's a miscommunication on the route, or uh, in the season, excuse me. McKay is, is very efficient. He makes good decisions, but most of the time um, – and fully, you can chime in here if you want to. I think Bobcat fans are looking for him to be a little bit more aggressive. He's taking a lot of safe throws, 
He hasn't really been, he hasn't had to like convert a third and 15 when the game was on the line and he throws it over the middle into a tight window. We haven't seen him make that kind of throw. He's going to yeah. find the open guy, a lot of tight end, a lot of tight end utilization. This year. We went from mm. like three tight end catches the entire 2019 to like, I think last game we had eight. I think the tight ends caught eight receptions against uh, uh, Cal Poly. <laughs> I mean, he'll find the easy throw. And if it's going to be a three yard completion, it's going to be a three yard completion. Or if he throws it to like Lance McCutcheon or a deep ball, he puts it where only receiver is going to have a chance to get it. Sometimes I say a lot of bounds, but he's been very good at positioning the ball that only our guys can get a piece of it. And that's why I think he has 11 touchdowns and one interception. He's just, he's accurate enough to not make mistakes, but he's also not really pushing it though. So there's, there's a certain, he can improve in that. And I think the, this, this will be his biggest test for Matt McKay for sure. Yeah. And I think if Weber was smart, they would try to take away Lance McCutcheon right away. Cause that is by far his favorite target. If you look mm-hmm. at Montana state's Bobcats, uh, they're, they're receiving receptions. So Lance has 30. And uh, I think the next one after him is like 14. And so oh, wow. he's doubling up that production and his eyes always seem to go where Lance is at. So uh, that would be like, I would key on Lance McCutcheon if I was Weaver state for sure. Yeah. So if, if that's the case and, and if, if McKay is favoring McCutcheon so much, who I want to ask you guys a question about here in just a second, uh, sounds like it's going to be a matchup for likely Eddie Heckard, who is I think arguably the best cornerback on the team. And so I guess we'll kind of see how that plays out, but good points, Thorny. I think on, like you said, accuracy, making sure that you're placing the ball in a spot where only your man can get it so that there's less opportunity for, um, mistakes. But also, I also think that like we just talked about with Isaiah Fonse, I mean, when you've got a man who's probably going to get you four yards, it takes the pressure off of the need to throw those deep stabs because you're just always in short yarded situations, especially if you're running on first down. So there's an interesting thing I want to talk about, and this is a good thing to talk about because I was thinking about it earlier when you guys were talking about uh, when Foley was talking about Daniel Hardy and how big he's gotten in the offseason. So the Cats basically didn't play football for two years. They spent mm-hmm. a lot of that time in the weight room. And there's some guys who really benefited from that. Daniel Hardy's one of them. Ty Okada is one of them too, because he was pretty scrawny as a sophomore in 2019. And he probably put on 20 pounds of muscle since then. And then the other guy would be Lance McCutcheon. Lance McCutcheon has transformed his body as a senior. He is a big, wide-bodied, physical. He's hungry. He's a Bozeman kid. He is just playing for his senior ride, he's got that sense of urgency and he is just absolutely going up and getting every single jump ball that's thrown his way. He mm-hmm. is just, he's just, he's an absolute physical beast right now. He's waited years behind some talented wide receivers. I know I miss you. hasn't thrown the ball a lot, but we've had good receivers when we do want to throw the ball. He's waited his turn. And honestly, he's playing unstoppable right now, football. And it's, it's really fun to watch him coming from like a, just a, he may have been a walk-on kid from Bozeman and now just a, just having a, one of the best years that MSU receivers had in a long time. So it, it you're right. It's uh you got a guy who's running the ball as well as a Fonze does put, take the pressure off and he can just throw it up to McCutcheon. That makes it even easier for a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about McCutcheon here uh, before we wrap up guys. Um, obviously, like you said, a favorite target of starter, Matt McKay, um, doubling up on, on receptions. He's a, he's a guy who is physical, wants to go get the ball. Do you feel that his success is more sort of grinded out? He's a guy who's going to be very physical, or do you feel that more his, his secret to success is more speed? Like talk to me a little bit about his game and how you think it's, it's really working for him. I'll take that. 
I think one of the keys to Lance's success is his positioning. I think he uses his size in order to leverage inside balls and also jump balls as well. As Thorny mentioned, he is elite at reaching over defenders and picking up some Aaron passes. So uh, he is doing a fantastic job about that. I don't think he has burner speed. He's not like not even close to our fastest uh, receiver on our team, but he's smart. Uh, like Ryan said, he <laughs> he was sitting behind some pretty elite receivers for Montana State for the last uh, three years. So had a lot of time to study. But I think he's just capitalizing on his on his moment now. This is the year of Lance. Like he is just coming out of his shell and. I'm just sitting here thinking, watching these games. I'm like, man, where has this guy been? Well, you know, Kevin Cassis was in front of him. And uh, Travis Johnson, who plays for the Tampa Bay Bucks, was sitting in front of him. So he just was biding his time. Yeah, waiting waiting for, you know, NFL caliber guys to get theirs before, you know, now it's his opportunity. Um, just some of his his stats are his vitals, 6'3", 202 pounds. And so, yeah. like you said big physical guy with some height who can go up there and, and get the pass and make Matt McKay look good. It's funny. Cause you can, it's so funny how six, three, two Oh two will look so different across the field. Lance <laughs> McCutcheon looks all of six, three and two Oh two. Just like you look at that. It's like, he's only two Oh two. He looks bigger than two Oh two. He looks two twenty. Yeah. He is a big yeah. man out there. He's, he's a big dude. He's got that, like just that foot size that translates onto the seal field. You'll just see him pop off there and to kind of answer your question about, his attributes, I just think he's kind of just a complete wide receiver. I don't think he has any one thing that's stand out necessarily. I just think he just is playing aggressive. He's got good enough speed. He's got elite athleticism for this level. And I just think he's kind of he's not like a possession receiver. He's not only using one skill set. He's got a bunch of a bunch of tools in his in his uh, toolbox. Yeah. So well, uh, got Colby, before go we before we get into something, uh the two guys we just talked about, Daniel Hardy and Lance McCutcheon, I would say they're also the emotional leaders on the field as well. Mm. And that could almost be a detriment to them because they get hyped and they've been called on some personal fouls for taunting. Both of them have. Okay. And uh, so that would be something. <laughs> I mean, and one of the keys to my game I was thinking about today is uh, Montana State needs to match Weber's physicality. And Weber could definitely get in Montana State's head if they start John back and forth. Montana State has been on the receiving end of those personal fouls. Daniel Hardy and Lance McCutcheon would be two guys that are going to jaw out there. So that could be something to look for. Yeah. So a game could end up getting chippy because uh, Wildcats have been known to get some of those personal fouls as well. Uh, the Cal Poly game, there were a couple and that game was never really in doubt for the Wildcats, but they were still kind of talking trash down to the Mustangs. And so if the game is close, I think that uh, there could be definitely opportunities on both sides of the ball for some flags to be thrown. And um, I don't know, hopefully, hopefully guys can kind of keep it in check, but we'll see how that goes. Guys, we've talked a lot about the strengths of the Bobcats coming down from Bozeman. Uh, we've talked about the rest, about the fact that they haven't really played football in two years and now they're back and they're ready to go. They look very much the semifinal team that had success in 2019. But I want to take the flip side and maybe give Wildcat fans a little bit of hope. You, No one knows the team quite like you both. And so uh, talk to me about where you think the keys to the game lie for the Wildcats to get a W against a really quality Montana State squad. Foley, you want to, you want to start us out and kind of give what you think could be the keys for a, a W for the Wildcats? Yeah, I wrote down a couple of them. I won't take them all because I know Ryan has a couple. But one of the things the Cats need to do, the Wildcats, need to do against the Bobcats 
is they need to have some sustained drives. If they can pick up a couple string of third downs and keep the Montana State defense on the field, that's going to put us out of our rhythm. Montana State has done an excellent job of creating three and outs, mm-hmm. and that will just uh, disrupt their normal game flow. And if you could carry that into the fourth quarter, I'm not sure how the Cats are going to endure the fourth quarter. We haven't had to play meaningful downs in the fourth quarter since game one against since Wyoming. Laramie. Yeah, Portland. Yeah. Since the post. So, uh, the Wildcats need to sustain some, some drives, put some points on the board early and press into Montana State because that is another thing I'm just kind of watching for this game. How will Montana State react when punched in the mouth? And under Jeff Cho, they would have loved it. They would have been saying, come on, bring it. This is what we want. I'm not sure underneath Coach Vegan yet. Mm. Morning, what about you? Your, you know, your thoughts on where the Wildcats might have an opportunity against a good Bobcat squad? Because like we said, there are a lot of weapons out there and they are sound on both sides of the ball. It's kind of weird to, to say this, but the Bobcats don't have any single one glaring weakness. But I think an area that the Wildcats could have success against the Bobcats would be uh, the front seven against the Bobcat offensive line, who has been, like I said, kind of underperforming in terms of the level that we're used to at Montana State. They're a little undersized. They've gotten beaten a few times. If they can control the line of scrimmage, get to Matt, Matt McKay, who who largely hasn't had a lot of pressure on him, and when he has, he's been good enough to get rid of it or at least take a sack. He's been very smart, regardless of how it goes down. But mm. if they can control the line of scrimmage and hit hit uh, Isaiah Fonse before he gets ahead of steam, that's the biggest thing, the key to stopping Isaiah Fonse. If you can get him right after he's got the handoff, um, if he gets running forward, he's going to at least get two or three yards, pretty much yeah. like it's guaranteed. So if yeah. you can get get behind there, hit him right when he gets the ball, control the line of scrimmage, I think that's going to really put a lot of pressure on the Bobcat offense to move the ball down the field. Yeah. Um, I think that the Wildcats on, on the defensive front have had the opportunity. And I think that the bye week came at a good time because guys were playing, but they weren't quite, I would say that they probably weren't a hundred percent healthy yet. And so I think that the extra week has maybe given them an opportunity to get a little bit caught up because we talked a little bit about this in the big sky podcast network group chat, uh, whether or not the teams who did not play in the spring would have an opportunity in the fall because they would not be nursing some of those injuries sustained from playing uh, in the spring, even though it was a short season. So I guess we'll have to see how that plays out because we know that the defensive line is hungry. We interviewed George Tarlis, a a defensive end for the Wildcats this week. And I definitely is wanting to do something and and get back to winning ways. Um, But we'll have to see how that looks, especially with uh, the Bobcats scheme. Um, guys, before we wrap up, I want to give you an opportunity to let folks know kind of where you are and what you do, where can they get the show and, uh, where can they follow you on social media? We can follow, uh, the RNR Catcast, which is, uh, the podcast that we do at, uh, Twitter, RR Catcast. We have also have a website, rrcatcast.com. And you can find me personally on Twitter on Celtic Moose 33 would be my, uh, my Twitter, Twitter handle there. You can follow me at rfoley77. Yeah, don't don't message him though, because he pretty much he's uh, against Twitter at the moment. <laughs> he's he's boycotting, so you won't be able to reach him. <laughs> oh man, well I appreciate us being able to chat a little bit more, guys. I mean, like I said, I had the opportunity to chat with you last night on your podcast about the Wildcats, and we appreciate you reciprocating and coming on our show to talk a little bit about the Bobcats and what Wildcat fans can expect in Stewart Stadium on Friday night, ESPNU, eight p.m. Mountain. So, Catcast guys, thank you so much for taking some time. Appreciate you both.
Appreciate you. Thanks for having yeah. us on. And uh, man, can't wait for tomorrow. Bumble!